Welcome to the Cabin Culture Podcast, where we spend a little more time diving deeper into all the fun parts of cabin culture. We like to think of this as both the material and imagined expressions of how cabin lovers, dwellers, builders, and designers wish to live a more simple and authentic life. On this episode, I'm talking to Monique and Jason from the Vermont A-Frame, an original 1965 boho A-Frame. This duo has been hosting on Airbnb since 2019 and are 20-time super hosts. But what I love about today's conversation is that it's not just about the cabin, the design, the Instagram. It's also about the experience, the things that we can do as hosts that elevate the overall stay, the memories that are created while people are there and how we can facilitate that as hosts and not necessarily the things that we do to grow online. While I totally get how important that is, it was fun to take a step back from that and really just dig into their heart as hosts. I really value their perspective on this and how they found success during their hosting journey. So thanks for joining us and let's dive in. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's so great to have both of you. So why don't you start, a lot of folks will probably know you, but why don't you start by giving us just an overview of who you are and uh, your cabin while you're on the Cabin Culture Podcast. For those of you who don't know us, we're Monique and Jason. We own and operate the Vermont A-Frame. Um I think the story actually starts long before I even came into the picture when Jason was a kid. He Mm. used to go up to Vermont. Uh, He used to go ski at Stratton and his family would rent the same cabin every year uh, that was near the mountain. And Jay has a lot of fond memories growing up down by the beach uh, or up in the mountains. And I was the opposite. I grew up going to the beach, going to like tropical vacations. I did like a couple cruises, which is like, I don't know, for me, I just can't imagine myself ever doing that now as an adult, because I feel like uh, I'm so much more drawn to the mountains. So it's something that we had discovered was like kind of a mutual love for both of us, I think, pretty early on in our relationship. Um, But I had never been to Vermont. And okay, wait, let's pause there. Where did you each grow up? Jason, how close to Vermont were you? I I grew up in Morristown, New Jersey. Uh, So that's three hours from where our house is now. Okay. Uh, An hour from where we are right now. (laughs) Okay. Where do you you all live now? An hour from where I sit right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, And I grew up right here in this house. Uh, This is my childhood home that Jason and I now own. We renovated. Um, So I have pretty deep roots here. Wow. Did your parents move out? How did you end up with it? My dad just sold my childhood home. And this is like a dream that you got to save it and create like a whole new generation of memories there. Um, my parents are no longer with us. Um, so my sister and I inherited it. And okay. we lived here ourselves for a few years alone after my mom passed. Um, my dad was, um, I was quite young when my dad passed. He was 45 and I was like 13 uh, but my mom passed nine years ago. Um, so my sister and I were here for, I would say, like two or three years by ourselves um, in the house before Jason moved in. Um, Jason moved in and was like renting from us for a little over a year, maybe, no, longer than that, like two years yeah. before he decided to buy my sister's half out. Okay, he didn't move in as a roommate. He moved in as your boyfriend. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that would be like a some sort of sitcom situation. Wait, you moved in as a roommate? (laughs) Didn't fall in love with the roommate. Did meet him on Tinder. So you tell me what's worse. (laughs) No, I met my husband on Tinder, so it's fine. I mean, I had spotted him in real life, and then I sniped him. I was like a little sniper, finding out where he lived, and then found him on Tinder. How did you make that happen? Did you do the paid version of Tinder where you could change your location? Was that even around at no. the time? Well, he only li- he lived less than a mile from me. I we, we live in a very small town, and so the bartender yeah. at the local pub told me where he lived. So I just put that search radius in as less than a mile, and there weren't many. So he was the first one that showed up. Nice. So it's just very strategic. So I'm not judging Tinder, not at all. This isn't the first time he's finding this out. I'm assuming. Who sh- no, he found out on our first date. I'm the world's worst liar. Literally on our first date, I was like, I know a lot about you. <laughs> you're like, I did the whole background check. I can tell you your mom's maiden name, your yes. grandfather's birthday, and the name of your first dog. So you can have yes. all this. 
numbers, right? Yeah. yeah. He likes to play it really cool and be like, oh, like I I don't, you know, I had seen you around, but like it turns out he had done research too. He just isn't as forthcoming as I am because I have no shame. <laughs> there is no shame in the game. And you know what? I think it makes us better um better like perceptors of kind of being a little more tuned in to the fine details that people might put out there. Am I wrong? Do you get what I'm That's saying? Interesting. Like studying people, looking for red flags, really like, I think it helps. Yep. Totally. Okay. So you, I'm going to take this back. So you moved into that house. You all were living together. You, Jason bought out her sister. How long was it? Like, had you taken her to Vermont yet? Cause you had never been, when was the first time y'all went to Vermont and did you fall in love with it immediately too? We, we owned the A-frame before I bought her sister out of this house. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so that happened earlier. Yeah, yeah. So we went to Vermont together. Uh, I took her to Vermont for the first time in 2017. The, yeah. The week you moved in. Oh, so it was, it was August of 2018. No, it was 2017. 2017. But it was how long had you been dating at that point when you took her to Vermont? A year. A little over a year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, Jason, let me ask you, was this like a moment of truth for you? Were you like, I'm going to take her to Vermont? And like, if she can't hang, this might be a red flag or a deal breaker? Uh, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like she had already proven herself in a lot of ways. <laughs> okay. So I, I don't think that I was looking at that trip as like a, no, because we had already done yeah. we had already done uh, camping together. And yeah, we, we had we done a lot of camping. We had done a lot of outdoor outdoor stuff together. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. The first time I took Sean to Maine because he had never been. Definitely, it was only three months in, but I was definitely like, if you don't like this, I don't know what our future looks like. <laughs> I was definitely that way with skiing. Like when I I taught her to ski, and yeah, in the back of my mind, I was like, I really want to keep doing this as much as I can. So I'd really like it if she were able to do it too. (laughs) Thankfully she picked it up super quick. So that was, that was a real make or break moment. I think. Well, I can tell by her outfit that she's quite the skier now. Yes. Those of you listening to the podcast will need to go on YouTube to see what I'm talking about, but she looks like quite the skier. Yeah. As do you, Janice. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm cozy and ready to ski, both. <laughs> and you have a ski trip coming up, right? Yeah. Well, we're going, we have several. We're going to Pennsylvania this weekend for my dad's 70th, and we're sneaking in some skiing. And then we're going up to Maine in February, and we're sneaking in some skiing. And then we're going out west to Idaho and Jackson Hole just to ski. Sweet. Amazing. I'm so yeah. jealous. I'm currently trying to plan a ski trip for myself um, around some work trips that I have. So I'm looking to go out west, hopefully first week of March, first or second week of March. So, Ooh, so well, if you go the second week, where are you going out west? Do you know? So I will most likely be in Scottsdale for a conference. And then from Scottsdale, I can fly. I know I can fly nonstop to Salt Lake City, which is really quick. And I can also mm-hmm. fly nonstop to Denver. I don't, okay. I don't think that there was a nonstop to Jackson Hole because I checked. Um, You're like me. I I filter for nonstop. I'm like, I'm too old for layovers. I'm like, no way, no way. I need like all the valuable time to like settle in, unpack, and then hopefully get to the mountain as quickly as possible. Okay. So then when, take me back to the moment when you started thinking about the Vermont name frame. Did you have a plan and then you found it or did you find it and you were like, let's make a plan? We found a different cabin and we were like, let's make a plan. Um, It was an A-frame. And, you know, like real estate was very different back then. This is going back to 2018. Things were super affordable. Um, I don't even think that like, uh, there were so many homes on the market, right? That there there wasn't like a sense of competition. We must have seen like two dozen homes after we eventually got our search underway. But point is, there was this one home. It was an A-frame. It stood out to us. I don't even know how, how we came across it. Wasn't it just on Zillow? Yeah, I think it was just on Zillow, but I don't even remember what prompted us to like start actually like looking. It was it was one of those like typical like let's browse Zillow and check out homes that we wish we could buy. Yeah, every day. And then it was kind of like, well, wait a second. This house is actually really affordable and it's really cute. We actually might be able to buy this one. 
And then Uh that just kind of like prompted the wheels to start turning. Um, It was right around the time that Instagram really took off as like a marketing tool for a lot of brands. Um, And I started seeing travel influencers begin to like butt up from, you know, the ground. And there were like, uh, I started to see some cabin accounts. I remember cabin porn, I think the book had just come out and their account was underway. So it was like, just like kind of starting, right? And I was like, and I'm looking at these and I'm looking at this house and I'm like, this house is really cute. And I'm like, it's really affordable. Like, could we do it? I don't know, like maybe. And then I think one day we were just kind of like, well, we could definitely do it if we just like rented it out on the weekends when we don't go. And then from there, it was just like, that's it. Like hit the ground running. And we, I think it was less than two weeks later, we made the drive up and started seeing houses. Wow. Okay. And then how early, how long into that search did you find the one you bought? And then my second question with that was, were you looking at exclusively A-frames? Are you an A-frame cabin person or were you just a cabin person? We were looking at all kinds of houses, not just A-frames. I think we only saw two or three. We saw a few. Yeah. But most of them were a mix of like chalets, log cabins, houses. Um, But I think that the A-frame that we ended up with, wasn't it one of the last places that we saw? Yeah. We looked for about a month. We had taken two trips up there. The first trip we saw, you know, about I'd say probably about 20 listings over the course of two days. Um, Like I said, the market was like, it was a buyer's market at that point. There were so many houses. Take your time. You could sit on it. You could think. Oh, yeah. Because then we had like the whole criteria and everything once we saw the houses and narrowed them down. So, and we did like that first A-frame a lot, a a lot, a lot. I mean, it was in the final three. Mm -hmm. Um, Between the final three, it was that A-frame our A-frame, and then a log cabin. Um, To answer part two of your question, I think it was about 30 to 40 days from when we started looking to when we put an offer in on the A-frame, because I wouldn't say we put an offer in in like the end of July. Yeah. Or, yeah, Yeah. no, the beginning of July. because We closed closed in August. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so not too long of a process, but, I mean, by today's standards, that's like, you know, ages. Luxurious. Yeah. Um, but I think our history with A-frames goes back to your dad. Yeah. I was just going to ask if Jason's cabin that he went to was an A-frame. So, no, the cabin that we went to was not an A-frame. It was kind of just more of like a chalet style house uh, towards the, the base of Stratton. But when my dad was in his like mid-20s, he and his friend bought this big piece of desert in Arizona and went there and built an A-frame <laughs> in the middle of the desert. So yeah, that we kind of have some, and like he would always talk about it as a child uh, when I was a child. So like I always in my mind had like A-frames as these kind of like interesting and like, uh, you know, kind of like mystical things and structures uh so they've always they've always kind of like attracted me i guess yeah yeah what i kind of love about yours the one that you all have is that it was built in 1965 which feels like the kind of first wave of Mm a-frames like the most i don't want to say authentic but like when they originated and now we're experiencing the second wave it feels like there was a whole lull in between where we still liked them but there weren't they weren't being built Yeah. yeah and now they're being built like rapidly how does that feel? Do you have any sort of feelings about that as the owner of like a more older A-frame and seeing the growth of it? Is, does that excite you or is it like, yeah, how does that feel? I think it, I think it's exciting. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool to think that we have, like you said, like, do we have the original A-frame? No. But I know from reading some architecture books, especially there's that book by I think the guy's name is Chad Randall that we mm-hmm. have in the house called A-Frame, which was printed, you know, decades ago, kind of talks about the history of A-Frames and how a lot of them originated from 
kind of that like Sears catalog mentality where people had lots of disposable income that they were able to start buying not just a first home, but a second home. And they wanted something that was easy to construct um, and went up quickly and was affordable. And I think an A-frame kind of checked all three of those boxes. Um, And our house is definitely one of those. Um, Because when you drive on our street, um, we have, it's a small street. There are a couple houses on us. We have some neighbors. Um, I think like 50% of them are A-frames and they're all like the same iteration Mm -hmm. of our house. Yeah. Our next door, the the neighbor directly next to us up the street is identical. It's an identical house. Yeah. Um, yeah. She just has, she still has the original like scalloped trim on the front of hers, which I think is so freaking cute. It looks like a little gingerbread house and it's actually in a couple. Yeah, it was in the elf or something. Um, I can show you all sorts of pictures of these because um, there's a photographer that's local to New England that did some photos for Stetson and Stetson used that house as a background for their photos. Oh my God, please send me those photos. Yeah, I will. Okay, this raises another question. Does she rent hers too or does she live in it full-time? She doesn't live in it full-time. She's an older woman. Her family's been in that neighborhood for a long time. Her brother owns the house next door. Um, I don't think he rents either. Um, But they do visit frequently because they're from about an hour, an hour and a half away from Southern Vermont. So they go up there a lot. But they are the sweetest family. We love having them as neighbors. Yeah. God, what a blessing. Having good neighbors when you have an Airbnb is like so important. But this like brings me to the question of like with A-frames becoming so trendy now, you're seeing a lot of them and you're seeing a lot of them look very similarly. So then you're you're faced with this marketing challenge of like, how do I differentiate mine? How do I tell the story of my A-frame? I grapple with this a lot because obviously I didn't design mine and the person who designed it sells plans for it. So there's going to be many of them that look very similar. How do you tell your story? How do you think about that? I'm guessing, Monique, you do all the marketing, but clarify if I'm wrong, Jason, if you also think and and strategize around this. But, How'd you know? <laughs> uh, just guessing. You are the one I've talked to, so that's usually how I know whoever's messaging me. But how do you think about that? To be fair, all design decisions in terms of like how we've furnished and decorated the house and like when we did our bathroom renovations, I run everything by Jay. Uh, this is a team effort. I want him to feel comfortable when we go to the house. Like I feel comfortable. Um, Yeah. Similar to the philosophy that we took when he moved into this house. I didn't want it to feel like, you know, my childhood house. I wanted it to feel like ours. Um, So he is very involved in like the kind of like final say when it comes to like, do we really think this is, this is a good idea, but I usually come up with a vision. Right. Um, I'm glad Sean doesn't listen to my podcast because I don't want him getting, you know, empowered to start vetoing my decisions or anything. As of right now, that does not. I, 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 I veto very few decisions, to be fair. <laughs> you trust her. You trust her. That's what's important. <laughs> you're sweet. You're sweet. I like this question because there are times, especially with the increase in people building not just like A-frames and cabins, but A-frames and cabins specifically that are going to be meant for short-term rentals because I grapple a lot with um, insecurities around the fact that like we didn't build our house ourselves um, and that it is an older home and with an older home comes quirks. Our kitchen is pretty much the original kitchen to the house. Um, And when we bought the house, we even had the original bathroom. Um, So is it luxury? It's not. The kitchen's definitely like a little rustic, fully functional, but it's tiny and it has like, you know, the original cabinets and everything. Um, Yeah. And I definitely struggle at times because I see these beautiful cabins, these beautiful A-frames being built around us and how quickly uh, they're able to kind of establish a foothold in the industry and how people do have a, like, there is a demand for these more luxury homes. And I feel like, Oh, like, is our home not up to par anymore? And then I kind of remember that like, well, even though we didn't build our house, our house comes with a long history and actually a very cool history. If you start thinking about what like happened on our street before we bought our house, which I can talk about later. Um, And that is ultimately, I think what influenced the design aesthetic that we kind of lent into when it came to our house um because a-frames are inherently a mid-century a a product of like the mid-century style right 
So, and when we bought our house, like the coffee table that's in our living room, that's the coffee table that came with the house, which is like the A-frame or the house you're in? The A-frame. Okay. I love that. So we kept that because it just really was like a sign to me that I should stick with that aesthetic. And I actually love that aesthetic. If you don't see what's behind us, like I have, we have tons of mid-century style furniture here too. But I feel like always I'm looking at pictures of your cabin as you're talking, just so I can like visualize what you're talking about. Yeah, your yeah. Instagram feed on one side of the screen. And you're on the other. Um, so I always, even though it's more competitive, I try to come back to that now because it's a good reminder um, yes. of, of where we started and who we are as hosts and as a brand. And, you know, just because I might be having this like, um, somewhat ver- like this version of imposter syndrome when it comes to comparing myself to other people. Like we don't need to be like everyone else. We can be different. We can have an older cabin that has lots of great, you know, smaller amenities and maybe nothing luxury. But if you read our reviews, like a lot of times people talk about the little touches, the little touches, all the extra touches, like mm-hmm. you can still have something that's special that people want to visit without being brand new luxury, modern, aesthetic. Yes. Thank you for saying that because I do feel like my first cabin was similar to yours. I still own it. It's in Boone. And I fucking loved that cabin when I bought it. It was like my pride and joy, everything about it. I decorated it. I want you to picture like antler lights and bear rugs. And like, I like leaned in because I didn't know any better. And I was like, this is what cabins are like. And I loved every second of it. And then when in like 2019, when Instagram started blowing up with cabins, all of a sudden I started to feel like, oh, it's not good enough. Like I need to redo the design. I need to like get rid of the green tile in the bathroom because it's gross. And like, I really hate what it did. And then after building Cozy Rock, I got to do a lot of the things I wanted to. And that almost highlighted it more. Like, and I kind of miss the relationship I used to have with it. Do you know what I mean? Before all the outside voices come in and tell you what it should look like. Yeah. I mean, I listened to one of your podcasts from a while ago and I'm going to totally fuck up how you referred to it as, but you talked about like the three different levels, right? Cozy rock is, I think you referred to it as the unicorn. Yep. And then, the workhorse and the donkey. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But there's nothing wrong with not having a unicorn. That's right. You can still create something special. You can still create something that's Instagram worthy and you can still mm-hmm. be fully booked up with something that wasn't built yesterday. Yeah. And even more important than Instagram worthy, you can build something that's experience worthy. Like for four years, people had had great experiences there. And yet I was questioning all of that because of the green tile in the bathroom or the, you know, copper faucets or whatever it was, you know? And I'm like, wait, is this how I really feel? Like if I rent a cabin, do I really care about those things? Or is this what the internet is telling me I should care about? Yeah, 100%. And it's and it is it's especially hard because we have great relationships with a lot of the people that have entered this space with those newer cabins and I love them. Yeah. Um, you know, but I always have to remind myself, remember who we are, remember what our values are, remember what made us successful in the first place and like don't stray from that, don't reinvent the wheel, but build on it. How can we make it yeah. better while still staying true to ourselves? Yeah. And I do think if more people could, because when building Cozy Rock, I was very, I worked with an interior designer, but I was very much like, this needs to be my cabin. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to replicate what I see on a mood board on the internet. We didn't buy like any white furniture. There's not a whole lot of like modernish stuff. It's like stuff that I like. Um, But it's still hard to like balance those two things because you also want it to do well on, you know, to find people or whatever. But I I do think, and that's why I like thinking about the three business models, that it doesn't have to be the unicorn or, or even better, you can create a unicorn out of a 1965 A-frame, you know? And part of that is about design and whatever, but part of it is about the experience you're creating for people Mm -hmm. and how they feel when they're there, not what they think when they're looking at it on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely lean into the experience. And I think We've shifted a lot from in the beginning, you know, a lot of our photos were just like of the space because that's what we needed for, you know, our listing online in order to make it stand out. But now I've realized that people resonate a lot with the lifestyle kind of photos um, Mm -hmm. to actually show like 
how you can enjoy the space. Like, okay, here's my couch with the cool mid-century table in front of it. But like, are you hanging out on the couch with your dog? Are you reading a book? Are you looking at the fire? Are you playing chess or a board game? So more like, show me people actually enjoying the space because then the people looking at you on Instagram or the people finding you on Airbnb or finding your website can picture themselves in the space. Yes. Yes. And like we have a card game. Have you ever heard of the skin deep? Yes. Sort of. I, I think I know what yeah. you're talking about. It's like super simple. It's just a card deck with questions, but it was created by filmmakers, which I can relate to because I'm a filmmaker and filmmakers notoriously are good question askers because we're trying to uncover a story and we have to be. So they're using that skill to make these questions to create more intentional conversations. And so we do it all the time. We've done it our whole relationship. It's how I propose to Sean. It's like a big part of our relationship. But I also think that it's a, a tool for connection. And it's like, okay, well, that's nowhere on our Instagram feed. I'm sure if I did a post about it, it probably wouldn't get very many views. But like in my mind, I'm like, that's one of the most important things I've put into the cabin, right? Because if you come there for an anniversary and find this deck and end up having a three-hour conversation with wine in front of the fire and leave with like a deeper understanding of each other, like that's way more valuable than a viral reel that shows off the furniture that you sourced from West Elm or wherever. I'm calling myself out. That's where I bought some of our uh, That's where our couch and our media console is from. And yes, from me too. Me too. So, yeah. So nothing wrong with West Elm, but like I can tag them in that. But like this is going to actually has the potential to change an experience. Yeah. How do we get that to go viral, right? You're not going to. So it's okay. Um, if I had to guess in your like guest guidebook, I know you always read your uh, what people write in it before you leave. Yeah. I guarantee a lot of people are mentioning the time and what they did with yeah. games in that guest guidebook. Yeah. They're not talking about the couch. And I mean, it's probably not the world's best couch, but that's not what they're talking about. There was one in particular, and I'm going to follow this up with, I'd love to know the guest book or the experience from a guest that has stood out the most to you, but it was parents who had fostered kids over and over one after another for 17 years. And they were there celebrating their wedding anniversary. And it was like one of the first times where it was just the two of them. And they talked about reading books out loud to each other in front of the fire for hours. And I was just like, I just, I could picture them having that experience and what that must feel like after kids in and out of your house for so long. Right. And I was like, damn, like, that's why we're doing this. Like that, I don't know. That just really stood out. Have, do you have a guest book that people write in? Yeah, we do. Okay. What's one of them that stood out the most to you about the experiences they've had? Um, well, we've had, we've had a couple people get engaged at the house. Yeah. At the house. Yeah. We've had a handful of That's people. That's a big get one. Engaged. Yeah. yeah. Um, Including ourselves. Yep. <laughs> yep. I sure love did. that. Um, um, they're... Were you the first ones to get engaged there? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. No. We got engaged in 2020, so we already yeah. had the house for almost two years, and I'm pretty sure I might have pictures. If you go way back on the Instagram, you might find pictures of the first couple that got engaged there. I'm drawing a blank. I'm going to dig. When I'm editing, I'll dig those up. Um, but yeah, so engaged, we've had a lot of people do. Um, oh, there was a family yeah. that came... Um, like it was a big, it was like it a, was big, a big, big family. And we yeah. were almost at the point where we were like, I don't know if we want to accommodate this. It's so many people. It was like I, seven or eight people. I think it was seven people, which yeah. is technically one over what we would normally accommodate. And technically our house is really most comfortable if you're dealing with four adults, because we only have two bedrooms. We do have the pullout couch and really yeah. the pullout couch is really like people use it if they have young kids. Like, so normally if someone's coming and it's six people, it's normally like parents and then young kids because then it doesn't feel as crowded. Um, yep. But for whatever reason, the girl seemed really nice. Um, you know, I don't even remember if she had positive Airbnb reviews before, but she seemed really nice. And she mentioned something about it being uh, the first time that their family was all getting back together after the pandemic. So this might've been like, it might have been like 21, 22. Yeah. Um, it was in the winter. It was in the winter, yeah. So we said yes. And I remember while they were there, they were posting pictures. And and the pictures were adorable. The, the group of them were in the front of the house. We leave a tripod so people can take a selfie in front of the house. Because that's, that's like... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
we've gone through like four or five tripods by now. Yeah. So if you have a recommend as a photographer and videographer, if you have a recommendation for one, that's good for a cell phone. That's universal. Like please People always ask that, but we spend like $300 on our tripods and I'm like, nobody wants a $300 tripod more than that actually. But so um, the cheap ones are probably the best bet and just know you have to go through them occasionally. Yeah. So like once a year we're replacing the tripods, but they work really well. People usually use them to take a picture right in front of the house because like that's the postcard moment. Like yeah. there are podcasts out there and like Instagram influence out, influencers out there that talk about like the Instagram moment within your house. Like our Instagram moment is taking a picture in front of the house because it's an apron. Yeah. It freaking loves the apron. So seeing the picture of the big family in front of the house was so sweet and they were all like hugging each other and all of that. But then what made it extra special was a couple weeks later when we went up to the house after they had stayed, I was reading the messages that they had left. Um, and all of them had written something special. Like it almost made me cry. Even the kids wrote notes and like drew pictures in the guest book about how how wonderful of a time they had and how much their, you know, every generation that was with them enjoyed it from like the grandmother all the way to the kids. Um, so that was really one that stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was really sweet. I'm so glad you shared that story. Cause I feel like as hosts, we can get really, um, it's important to guard our boundaries, but we can get really like, oh, one extra person? No, like, how dare you? Or like, uh, no, you know, you moved the gas logs around in my fire or whatever. Like, Sean is the worst. I'm not saying we're an exception. But that's just a good reminder that sometimes people are asking things not because they want to be difficult or they're trying to like push your boundaries, but because they just want to create a good experience for their family and they love your place and they want to do it there. We are pretty lax most of the time because like, I tend to have a little too much trust in people. And you know what? For the most part, like, I don't think that's inherently a bad thing. I don't think it's inherently a bad thing either. And I mean, knock on wood, we've had, you know, mostly good experiences. We haven't really had any nightmare guests that have like done anything egregious inside the house. We've had the messy guest. We've had the guests that are just awful communicators or communicate too much. Um, need a lot of handholding. Need a lot of handholding. Yeah. You know, we call them helpless hand raisers as a, a teacher in the teacher world. The kids who like you say, okay, now get to work. And they're like, I need help. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're helpless hand raising guests. Yeah. And we've had them. Um, but like when we get guests that are new to Airbnb or someone who's like, you know, hey, I'm coming with like two or three dogs, those are not the kind of things that like we spend our time being nitpicky about because I'm just like honestly because we work full-time and I'm just like I know that we can handle this no matter what happens so let's pick and choose our battles I totally agree I feel the same way I also think you've been hosting longer than some of the hosts that I've talked to and so I do think with time the more good experiences that outweigh the bad and like how much the bad ones are not quite as bad as you think they're going to be over time, you're just like, yeah, I trust you. And you see all the good experiences that come from it when you're like, this isn't a big deal. Bring the extra person. And then you hear that. It's like, okay, all right, worth it. I'll do that again. Yeah. I mean, again, there are definitely times where people have come to us and we've had to say no. Um, during the pandemic, we had a handful of people reach out to us about hosting like elopements or weddings at our house. Um, and those people we had to be honest with because we were like, honestly, I know that like, maybe from our pictures, you know, doing a wedding on our front deck is, would make for a beautiful image. But what you don't see is that there really isn't a front yard. It's like, that's where you park your car and you can hear the road from where our house is. Um, Especially if you're coming in the winter and there's no like insulation from the trees, then the road noise can be kind of loud during rush hour. Um, And we don't try to hide any of these things. We're totally transparent about them on our listing, both in text and in photos. Um, and I hate having to say no. So anytime we say no for a reason like that, I'm like, but you should check out this person's house and this person's house and this person's house and reach out to them, you know, and tell them that I sent you because I talk to them all the time and, you know, I can vouch for them. I know that they're a good host. Yeah. That's the value of community. I feel like there was a time where Airbnb hosts weren't, especially in the same location, weren't interacting that much because they viewed each other as competition. I could just be speaking from my own experience that I felt very isolated in those early years. 
And I feel like everyone kept to themselves. And then once we started talking, even within the same communities, it was like, oh, well, you have a hot tub cleaner you like? Great. Oh, you can't accommodate this repeat guest that weekend? Does anyone else have a good place? Like it, There's so much value add there. There's so much value in that. And there's also so much potential to grow the network between each other because of that. So you get repeat guests. Uh, how many of your guests do you think are repeat guests? Like if you had to put a percentage on it. A percentage, I would say maybe 10 to 15. Okay. So that's actually a really good amount. I would- Oh, it feels like not that much. I think that's actually a really good amount, especially for a destination that is a further drive to destination. Do most mm-hmm. of your guests come from Boston? No, you have a wider, they do come from Boston. You get a fair amount from, I would say the Boston main region is mm-hmm. maybe 25 to 30%. And then okay. the rest is a little bit further or a lot further. Occasionally we'll get people coming, like flying in from places, but. Okay. So we're pretty much the same. Our primary feeder market is like New York-ish and occasionally Boston. I would say more New, New York, York, New Jersey, New Connecticut, Jersey, Connecticut like yeah. the suburbs. Um, I would say I would say at least like fifty percent. Um, and then outside of that, a little bit of Boston, and then yes, the occasional person that's um, flying in and kind of doing like a New England. We get this a lot in the fall when people are doing yeah. New England road trips that they're flying. Going up. Yeah, exactly. I would say our repeat guest percentage is probably about 5%. I think the reason is probably because we're in such a, not just our market in Southern Vermont in particular, but just the Northeast in general has so many amazing places that you can visit. That Even when you really, really, really love one house, there are so many other little towns out there. And so many other rentals that have been beautifully decorated and have wonderful hosts and have so much to do nearby that people probably struggle like, hey, okay, I'm choosing where I'm going to take a trip for like this spring or this fall. Maybe you only get the opportunity to travel somewhere for a weekend, you know, two or three times a year. So I understand that perspective of like why it might not make sense for us to have or why we might not be seeing as many repeats. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's interesting to think about because I do think that the majority, I'm thinking of a handful of the same repeat guests who've been three or four times and they're all weekday bookers. So I feel like they're not considering it as like a big trip. It's like, oh, I go up to Freeport for whatever and I can work there, but I can also, our repeat guests, a lot of our one-time guests are are celebrating something or it is a vacation. Yeah. Hmm, That's interesting to think about. I I think our our biggest repeat guest is definitely a, well, she stays for a couple weeks usually, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we have a horse show that's nearby in Manchester. Um, and we typically, uh, she stayed with us for three years now. She usually books one to two weeks in July and she's just lovely. And she has, um, I think, two young two young girls or two young kids mm-hmm. uh, that come with her. Um, and, and she's just absolutely lovely to have. Um, and it's nice knowing that like she feels comfortable enough in our house, especially knowing that she stayed with us for two weeks before, because I remember the first time she booked with us, I was like, is she going to feel like she's in a prison in our house for two weeks? Because she's going to get sick of it. Because yeah. I mean, A-frames are inherently not the most. Um, they're, they're very cozy. <laughs> yeah. Because the ceiling is low. Like if you have a loft, right? Well, it's the angles of the like wall. one a frame. The angles of the walls make it so that it can at times feel kind of cramped. Like in the kitchen, right? The angle, the kitchen is here, and there's an angle wall like this. So yeah. it's like you're kind of at times having to duck. You're walking into yep. the bedroom around the bed. You kind of have to. So it, it can feel a little cramped at times in the rooms because yeah. of the angles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes um, sense. But when she enjoyed it, I was like pleasantly surprised. And I was like, oh my God, come back anytime, please. And then oh, sure a, a two-week guest. Yeah. And, nice. Yeah. And then sure enough, she booked the year after and the year after that. Um I love that. So And you know, they're not the ones who are gonna be messaging you at 12 a.m. asking where the silverware is. Yes, I've literally had that happen. But like they know where everything is. It feels like it's their cabin that they're going to visit, which is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I forget how we got off on that tangent or why I even asked about the repeat guests, but I'm sure it ha- I'm sure there was somewhere that I was going. 
That's okay. That was all helpful. How did, because this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where there's so much like mass, feels like there's more mass production of Mm A-frames. How do you, when you were designing yours and you two were doing that together, were there any specific design choices aside from the coffee table, which I loved, um, that you chose that are particularly meaningful to you that like represent your story, your cabin that makes it different? I think there were little things that we did, like the record Mm -hmm. player. Yeah totally mm-hmm. symbolic like of our relationship we've had a record player in there since day one we've upgraded it since we first started but we always had a record player there mm-hmm. um and the selection of our records is actually very meaningful to us mm-hmm. um there might be one or two in there that just got kind of like thrown in that were extras that were lying around but for the most part um between us and we have a very good friend sean who's a musician um Shameless plug, everyone should check out Sean Marshall on uh, Spotify. He's awesome. Uh, Is that S-E-A-N or S-H-A-U? Yeah, S-E-A-N. Okay, that's how my Sean spells it. He calls it the correct way to spell Sean. Sean and Jason used to be in a band together, and Sean married us, so he is one of our like very good friends now. I love that. He now lives in Salt Lake City with his wife and his four or five month old baby. Um, yeah, but Sean's really, um, very much still involved in the music industry. Um, still plays in a band, etc. Um, knows everything music wise. And anytime that I'm like, Hey, the record collection like needs a refresh. Like this is the mood. Like, what are you listening to? Mm-hmm. Tell us what we should check out. And he usually comes up with like a list of like three or four records. And he's like, you should listen to these and see if you want these for the A-frame. And sure enough, every time I'm like 150 bucks later, dropped on records, <laughs> add to the collection. Worth it. Totally worth it. Everyone needs a Sean. Yeah. yeah. Everyone needs a Sean. Sean is a great person, hands down all around. Um, by the time that this, this comes out, I assume that this is usually delayed a couple days, if not a few weeks. A couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so by the time that this is out, um, we will have a Vermont A-Frame playlist launched on Spotify that we have. I love this. Yeah, we had Sean help us curate playlist. We're going to be refreshing it. Probably one for each season. Yeah. Um, so right now we put out our winter playlist. That way, you know, even if you don't want to fuss with a record player, you can just get to the A-Frame, plug it in turn on some tunes and this is kind of like a playlist that will encompass any kind of any time of day so whether you're kind of like waking up and making a fire and just having a cup of coffee or coming back from a day of skiing and you just like need to veg out on the couch for a little bit or you're having a cocktail by the fire any time of day that was like the guidelines that we gave him um, so that'll be out and it'll probably be linked on our Instagram somewhere. I'm so excited about this because I've been working on one for Cozy Rock and I've not made much progress. So now I don't have to make one. I'll just put in my guest book. Thanks to our friends at Vermont A-Frame. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. A little QR code. <laughs> exactly. Um, Thank you for saving me time. What other things are at the house that kind of encompass our relationship? Chess? Yeah, the chess board. Uh, early on in our relationship, I lived in, um, Asbury park. Um, and there was a great brewery there and I don't know, we over like the winter, like the first winter, first or second winter that we were dating. We, I don't know. It felt like we were there all the time. Yeah. We went to the brewery all the time and they happened to have a chess board. Um, and I don't think you even knew how to play chess no, at the time. I certainly did not. <laughs> so I taught her how to play chess and we would play each other. We would basically just go to the brewery and play chess. So uh, it's definitely something that we've kept doing. We, we do it a little bit less now, but uh, yeah, it was a big part of our relationship at the beginning for sure. Yeah. Yeah. A um, good thing to have at a cabin too. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome thing to have at a cabin. Um, yeah. That's probably the game that we still go to the most when we're up there. Yeah. Let's see. Okay, what? tell me a little bit about your cabin fashion. Like what we're wearing at the cabin? Not necessarily right now, though you could talk, but like when you go to the cabin, what does your cabin fashion look like? Like when, okay, like what we wear at When you're at the cabin, just the two okay. of you. So, I mean, yeah, typically, <laughs> typically in the winter, I mean, we're going skiing. So it's like in the morning, it's base layers, mid layers. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the layers, yeah, and then <laughs> when I go skiing, yeah, and then when we come back, it's it's also probably <laughs> long johns and yeah, uh, yeah sweatshirts, yeah. yeah. 
Um, there's a lot of oversized sweaters in my rotation. Uh, that when I pull off the mid layer, I just pop on whatever cleanest oversized sweater is nearest to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I feel like it's rare that like when we're up there in the winter and going skiing, like the only time I'll put on like real clothing is if like we're going out to dinner somewhere. Yep. The rest of the time I'm wearing long johns and I feel like I'm always the optimistic one and I'm always like, well, let me like, and this is chronic problem of mine because I always overpack. I am the worst traveler, the worst. I'm always like optimistic. Like let me pack a nice outfit just in case like we go to seesaws or we go to crooked Ram. I'm like, well, let me pack my dress. And then when I have to, if I pack, you know, my cozy dress, because I have like one specific dress that I'm always like, this is a good one. But then I have to pack the boots that go with it. Yep. Now we're already at like. That's what takes up the space right there. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. I cannot travel with less than three pairs of shoes. Most of the time, I think it it usually ends up being about five. Because um, just different, especially if you're going skiing, because you need like the boots to go into the lodge, but then you need the ski boots, but then you need like the comfy shoes that you wear when you get back. Then the pair, if you're going out to eat, then your slippers. Like, mm-hmm. yes, all of what's the, the world to do? All of the above, all of the above. Um, so yeah, lots of comfy clothes at the cabin. Um, Jason stereotypically is usually wearing a flannel at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I I use a lot of flannel as like mid layers usually when we go skiing. Yeah. So would you say you lean towards LL Bean? Uh, I do have an LL. There's a right and wrong answer. Hurt her feelings. What? Yeah. Yes. LL Bean. <laughs> yeah. I do have. That's what a I, really, I do have a great LL Bean pullover. He loves his fleece pullover. That like I wear. All yes, the time. fun. I wear that all the time. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. My only goal in life is to get sponsored by L.L. Bean. So I just had to ask. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, okay. you're report, so. That's right. We had like an L.L. Bean wedding, basically, but still nothing. One day. L.L. Bean, let's do this opportunity for you. Do you hear us? I'm trying so hard. So hard. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Last question, but it's two parts because you're an A-frame owner. What, in your opinion, makes a cabin a cabin? Jason, you have deep roots with this, so I'll be curious to hear your answer. And then secondly, are all A-frames cabins? Like just by default, is an A-frame a cabin? It's a great question. Because I feel like you say, what makes a cabin a cabin? And a lot of people are like, a Mm -hmm. cabin, log cabin, there has to be logs, there has to be wood. I don't think that I necessarily think of it that way. I think what makes a cabin a cabin is like, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's, it has to feel like an escape of some sort. Uh, So like even, even no matter like where, where it's positioned geographically or how remote or not remote it is, it has to feel like you are, like you are getting away, like you are escaping or, um, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, So it doesn't, I don't think it has to be like any type of, of, particular like construction material but it has to definitely when you're going there you have to feel like okay i'm getting away uh me that that i think is what makes a cabin a cabin if our house i like that it's a state of mind for you more than it is like a descriptor of the physical space it's just like how you feel yeah if our house our okay what about you if our house our same exact house was put on a street on the beach yeah. Would you still consider it a cabin? I don't know. I I I want to say yes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Ponder that one. Okay. Um yeah, god, for me, man, that's hard. Um I do feel like my view on this has changed a little bit. Uh because there are so many modern cabins that have come out guilty yeah Yeah, no but I was just gonna say my my part my second part of that is gonna say that when it's a modern cabin the materials used do have an influence over whether it feels like a cabin or not um right so if I were to look at you know a a, a, one of those like um I'm sure you know the company Den Outdoors is one of the ones that does like Mm aprons 
if I were to make mm -hmm. a den outdoors and not use any wood either on the exterior or the interior. And it was all like just regular sheetrock with paint. Would that feel like a cabin? Probably not. Um, and those are all A-frames. So that goes to the second question of, is an A-frame inherently a cabin? It's more about materials, you're saying? I think it is more about materials. Mm -hmm. Well, and I would, I would put those two answers together. And I wonder if the materials used don't help with the state of mind. If it's drywall, which is what you see at home... Yeah. then it just feels like a different home. But if there's wood everywhere and it feels that puts you into that state of mind of it being an escape. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Cause it's like, okay, you could have a, uh, you know, a, a suburban typical neighborhood home and plop it down on 50 acres in the most remote part of the country. It's not going to feel like a cozy cabin. Right. But, 100%. But, right. Yeah. So if you have, but yeah, if you have like a, kind of like uh, you use the right materials you design you use those kind of cabin designs no matter where it is it is going to kind of take you away transport you a little bit especially yeah. especially if you've got your fire element yeah so fire pit fireplace wood stove that's that's a big deal that was a, that was a one of the top five criteria i think when we were looking for, for a house it mm -hmm. has to have a fireplace mm -hmm. yeah so do you have a fireplace or a wood stove at the cabin? A wood stove. Wood stove. It's yeah. inserted into the old fireplace. Yeah. Um, so it's not, it is a standing wood stove that just kind of sits in where the fireplace was. So it's not one of those flush. So much better for guests. Yeah. It I can't is. imagine an open fireplace with guests. That would cause me so much anxiety. Same. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm even nervous with the wood stove, but it's... Uh, I think it's definitely a lot safer. It's just so much more contained. Yeah. 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 Guys, this was so great. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Thanks so much for joining us. And if you liked what you heard, feel free to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or share some of your favorite parts over on Apple Podcast. If you have feedback or suggestions for the future, you can also find me on Instagram at Cozy Rock Cabin. Looking forward to next week. <laughs>